Hello, and welcome to this week's, this semester's, this year's episode of Ascender Trail Podcast. I'm Tara. And I'm John. You are. And we're really <laughs> glad to be here. <laughs> um, we are. <laughs> we are um, podcasting in all new ways. We are recording this over Zoom. We are not in the same office. It's very strange, but I can still kind of hear you because... We only have a wall between us. Because I'm next door. Yeah, we can't sit in the same <laughs> office. Um, and we are joined this week um, by our fall 2020 intern, Inji Hong. Hi, Inji. Hi, Dr. Strauch and hi, Dr. Hardy and to all of our listeners. <laughs> so this is um, fun, I guess, and different. It's definitely different. Um, yes. So we have all been living crazy, weird lives for a while. And we finally have our act together enough to try to podcast. Um, and we're really excited to do that with NG, um, who's been game enough to be our intern while we're basically all in a state of chaos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Center College has broken our semester into two blocks, two six-week blocks with students taking about two classes each um, in each block which meant that in the first block, I was teaching two classes and this block, I'm only teaching one. Um, NG was taking a bunch of stuff last block and this block has things slightly easier. Is that true, NG? Yes, that's true. Um, just taking one class and doing this internship. So it's been a lot easier of a block than block one. And we'll talk a little bit about the blocks here in a few minutes. And then there is Dr. John Harney, who has had the delightful experience of a COVID sabbatical. Um, and so he's... <laughs> not teaching, but not getting anything done because no one gets real work done in the age of COVID. That is a, that's an accurate description of how my spectacle is going. <laughs> what are you supposed to be For me, on? I am supposed to be working on a book um, about um, American Catholic missionaries in Southeast China in the 1920s, 1930s. And um, actually of late things have picked up a little bit, thank God, but um, Theoretically, that involves lots of time to sit and think and be placid and be centered and all these other things that nobody, no one in the world is right now, I think. So that's been hard. And then, of course, like so many others, we have small children who my children are still, well, my son is still learning virtual only. And, um, you know, and it's awful. Um, the analogy I would make, actually, I'm not teaching, uh, but I'm running a, a team. I'm running an esports team. It's a conversation for the day, maybe. Um, and uh in England, professional soccer leagues are back um, and a little bit like the NBA and baseball here in the United States, they're playing with nobody there except for, you know, essential people like coaches and stuff. And I have an English friend and one of my best friends, he and I talk and he's just, he's really unhappy there aren't crowds, which I'm also unhappy about, but um, it's better than nothing. Um, and that kind of feels like center to me a little bit right now, which is better than nothing. And the other part is, <laughs> What the English are doing is still technically football, but you know, without the people there, it does something is wrong. And Tara, you've been teaching, and Inji, you've been learning in this environment. I, I, I think there's something there. Like theoretically, you can still learn content, I guess, but there's some pretty massive components missing, right? Yeah, for sure. I think I don't know if Dr. Strzok could definitely talk more about the teaching aspect of things, but uh, my first two classes um, for block 
one were in person. So I feel like um, I missed out maybe less than people who had a completely virtual experience. But at the same time, watching the professors trying to navigate this hybrid model of teaching has been incredible to see. And I don't know how Dr. Strauch, you've been handling that. Uh, I feel like, um, you know, in Mary Poppins, um, when Bert is doing the one-man band. Yep. Maybe. Um, anyway, you know, he's like beating on the drum and he's got like, <laughs> sim- you know, that's how pretty much how I feel every class. Like I walk in and it takes me an extra 10 minutes to set up the technology. And then I'm, I'm constantly, my students like laugh at me because uh, I'm kind of like, I'm talking to the class and then I'm talking to Zoom and then I'm talking to the class. <laughs> and um, it's just such a, it's such a overwhelming experience that I kind of, sometimes I walk out of the classroom. I'm like, I don't know what I taught. I think it was okay, <laughs> but it was a lot of class management in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it is quite the experience. Um, yeah. What I, I want to point out as well, because people wouldn't know this, um, the Tara's get up to go and teach. I love it because it's a mixture between like a tour guide in the Vatican and my child's Darth Vader costume for Halloween. So Tara, we all wear masks on campus all the time. We talk about that as well. Um, and in order to be heard, especially people, I think, attending virtually, right, Tara, that's one of the big concerns you have. Mm-hmm. Tara has this kind of microphone, I guess it's tucked into your mask, right? <laughs> and you have like a speaker box sitting on your chest. And I just think it's fantastic. I just think it's hilarious. It is it, really in a good way. It's really comical. Yeah. So I have the little microphone underneath my mask and my mask on. And you have to get a mask that's big enough to fit all of that in. Um, but it does help me be a lot clearer because I don't know, Angie, if you've noticed this, but one of the worst parts about a mask when you're kind of teaching or learning is that it makes you like, a, it makes me like a mush mouth. Like everything comes up really, 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 really <laughs> like that. Um, and the microphone really helps like with my enunciation. I don't know, Angie, has that been a problem for you guys? Yeah, I feel like a lot of the times when we're um, answering questions in class, um, I feel like mo- a lot of people are pretty like soft spoken when they're in class, especially if you're like unsure of an answer. And so <laughs> it just, you know, compounds the problem even more when you're wearing a mask. And it usually takes two or three repetitions um, with the professor having to politely ask, like, can you repeat what you said? <laughs> um, so it's definitely been a learning experience to speak up, but also, like you said, enunciate more and be very conscious that people probably can't hear anything you're saying. <laughs> and Angie, that sounds you terrible if it. you're socially anxious. Sorry, Tara. <laughs> yeah, if you're already hesitant to answer questions in class, it just makes it makes you, <laughs> I think, want to do it even less. Ingie, <laughs> you have the experience of taking lots of science classes and lots of history classes in your life. So um, I was, maybe you can do two things for us here. One, tell us a little bit about yourself and your time at Center. Um, for our, our listeners and then also a little bit like what's it like to take a science class in the age of COVID? <laughs> yeah sure um, so I'm a history and econ double major um, I'm from New Jersey so quite far away from Danville Kentucky um, but I always say this and I know it sounds cliche but one of my favorite things about going to center has been getting to know the Commonwealth of Kentucky and you know gaining a real appreciation um, for the state and learning that it's more than just Mammoth Cave which was like the one place I'd been on a family road trip before um, and KFC and the Derby so <laughs> just learning about the complex you know um, identities that are rooted here has been really awesome but yeah I think um, initially with my center experience I was nervous about the double major because I was 
nervous that that would sort of limit my options to what sort of classes I could take. Like I would always be in history classes, always be in um, econ classes and have like no other room for other courses. Um, but thanks to, you know, Center's curriculum and general education curriculum, which is being, I think, revamped and has already been revamped. Um, it's allowed me to take classes in a lot of other disciplines. And so this past block, I took natural science, which uh, is colloquially known as Natty Sci. Um, <laughs> and it's basically science for non-science majors. Um, and in and of it's like taking a science class for me is already weird in and of itself, but being in class Monday, Wednesday, Friday for an hour and a half, and then having two three-hour labs. So one three-hour lab Tuesday, one three-hour lab Thursday. It was honestly overwhelming, oh. <laughs> to say the least. Um, and I, there's always like, I don't know if this is how it was when you you all were in school, but there's always sort of this tension between STEM majors and non-STEM majors and STEM majors always saying like their schedule is harder than us and things like that. And we always sort of have this fun, like back and forth about it. But I told my friends this, I was like, I know, I promise I would never say this to your face, but I don't know how you guys do this with all the labs and like the amount of time they simply spend in a classroom is, is, is crazy. But yeah, the lab components were really fun. Um, it was weird because our uh, one of our buildings on campus where science classes are typically held is being, you know, um, redone. And so I was in the basement of my sophomore year dorm. So <laughs> taking a science class. So that also was just a weird experience where typically I would look forward to and this would be a safe place. <laughs> um, but going to that building and taking a class was really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that is probably one of the phenomenon of college campuses. You know, we've got our students in masks. We Everyone's in a mask, right? On Center's campus, you can't be anywhere on campus without a mask on. Um, the dining hall is set up in this incredibly weird way. Um, we could talk about that maybe a little bit too. So, you know, we have all these restrictions put into place, um, but of course there's still like building projects happening. And I, I would guess we're not the only college campus with that experience of like, oh, they're still like hammering and destroying stuff and rebuilding things. And like that part feels kind of normal and then everything else doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny. So I was, um, I think I mentioned, I was speaking to a student yesterday. We had a meeting and I was expressing frustration with, you know, the casual drop-ins are impossible. All these ways that you kind of organically meet students. You know, I wrote a bunch of letters the last few months for students who are hoping to do things after they graduate. And Something I always kind of mentioned briefly in a letter is the center. I mean, is certainly liberal arts colleges and uh, are different from larger universities where I see students a lot. So, um, for people who don't know, and I know this is riveting stuff, um, a typical recommendation letter for someone who's just graduating university from a professor will be like, "Oh, I've taught this person X amount of times. You know, like I've taught her twice." Da, da, da. And I always kind of point out, but like I see them a lot, though, you know, like, you know, and, and, and not just when they were in my class, but like I bump into them and I kind of feel like I know them. And we have chatted about this job or this scholarship or whatever that she's applying to. Um, and all of that just isn't there right now. And it's kind of frustrating. And the student I was meeting yesterday is a first year. And so I just kind of feel for the first years a little bit because they don't, you know, they're, they're kind of doing what they can. This particular first year related an experience where they were nervous their professor had a problem with them because in the Zoom chats, there's been some miscommunication between the two of them that both are misinterpreting. And I just said, well, I'm sorry, you know, but, but I, we're all kind of giving each other grace, I hope. Um, I think most of us are. Um, so it's tough. It's those kind of intangibles, as it were. Because um, like I said earlier on, you know, like theoretically, and maybe Tara, I, I bring this back to you again, 
theoretically you can quote unquote teach the same class. It's just that we're on Zoom, but you're missing stuff. I like Tara. I've seen you teach. I know for a fact you're missing stuff. The online experience <laughs> does not have, give you the full Tara Stroke experience. So from your point of view, tell us about that. Like tell us about what you're missing. Yeah. So you know the spring, and you and I, you you know this too, John. The hardest one of the hardest parts when we went um, virtual in the spring for me as a professor's my jokes i couldn't tell if they were (laughs) (laughs) um because you didn't get the same response through zoom and um the good news is when you're in person that's better right even if i have some folks on zoom i have enough in person that like i can at least see their shoulders kind of shaking at my bag (laughs) of jokes um but it's so, you know, you can't even do some of the simple things you're used to, like walking around, you put people into group work and they're kind of shouting at each other because they're far apart now. And I would, I loved to just kind of walk around and like eavesdrop on the cla- on the groups and hear what they're doing. And that's really hard to do. Everybody's all muffled. They're far apart. The conversations aren't as good. Um, and so I know some of my colleagues, um, they will do all Zoom classes on those days so that they can put them into breakout rooms, but then you can't really spy on a breakout room either. <laughs> uh, and to me, that's one of the big things that's lost is like watching students educate one another and like work with one another, um, which is a part of my job I always really enjoyed. Ingie, what do you think? Is there a part of this experience that you feel like you're really missing out or... It, on the other side, is there anything that's you're like, wow, this is actually surprisingly good? Well, I was going to mention just from my experience in your classes, not, I'm sure you've been sad to not be able to bring your tea cart to class <laughs> with your tea and your kettle and have that, have that available for your students. Like they're not truly getting the full Dr. Oh, Strzok experience so there. <laughs> yeah. But I think like Dr. Harney mentioned, um, the casual run-ins has been something that has just been completely lost. Like I think just in terms of how center has been like in the social aspect of things like you know you're going to make an effort to see your closest friends but one of my favorite things about center is that like you can walk into cow in our dining hall without making plans or just like seeing all these acquaintances that you may not make the effort to like get a one-on-one meal with but you still love hearing about what's going on in their lives and having a casual like run in and check up with them and so that's something that I've really missed out about um this year is like not having and the ability to see those acquaintances because I feel like everything has to be very planned and structured mm. um, to follow the guidelines. And so that's been really sad. But like Dr. Harney mentioned, I am grateful that, you know, we've had a normal, I guess, two and a half first years here. So like we understand like what center is like on a normal, uh, <laughs> in a normal, you know, world. But for the first years, they really have no idea, you know, <laughs> they, I feel like they haven't gotten any of the perks of um, some of the reasons you choose to go to center. Um, and so I can only imagine how difficult that is because for us, we keep that memory. And, and I think that's what keeps us like, maybe there's some hope in the spring that we'll get that back, but we still cherish the memories we have. But for the first years, they really just have no idea what that, you know, sense of normalcy is like. So I really feel for them. I've really enjoyed seeing how my colleagues come up with solutions to problems. Um, Like, how do I fix this thing that can't happen the way it usually does in a classroom? And I think that's particularly true. So in our history major, we usually have history 500. It's the capstone experience for our major and our students write an article length um, um, paper, which is lots of schools have a history major that kind of does that. Well, because we divided our term into these two six-week blocks, 
uh, it was going to be really hard. And oh, our library is out of commission, not just because of COVID, but because they are renovating it. Um, and so it's pretty hard to get access to, to books and everything. So um, our colleague, Sarah Eggy, who's teaching our History 500 this block, decided to scrap the journal length essay um, and instead is doing something I think is really cool with you all. And Ng is in this class. Um, she's, you guys are kind of visiting and using lots of different kinds of sources. And I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about how that class is operating. Sure. Yeah. No, that's so funny that you'd mentioned that article length paper, because that's sort of something that's been drilled into us as people like, don't, don't be a history major. You have to write a 25 to 30 page paper uh, at the, you know, either your junior or senior year. And so uh, maybe we're missing out on an experience, but I'm sort of so grateful that um, Dr. Eggy was restructured the course to better fit our six week model that we have here. But yeah, like Dr. Um, Strack mentioned, we are sort of tackling a new topic every week um, and using a wide variety of sources to talk about sort of big discussions in historical scholarship. So our first week we talked about primary sources and the importance of silences um, in those primary sources. And then last week we looked at census records and um, wrote a narrative based on those census records about a family and talked about sort of the most significant change that occurred over a 40 year period for them. And this week um, we're working on World War II propaganda posters. So as you can see, there's just like a wide, wide variety of topics that we're um, investigating. And it's so cool how Dr. Eggy is sort of infusing these larger philosophical discussions about history that I think all history majors should be talking about um, into these really interesting topics. And next week, we're tackling the election of the presidential election in 2000, which obviously is very time relevant here and learning about oral history. And so we're really getting, I feel like a full experience that uh, maybe I'm a little biased here, but like a 25 to 30 page research paper may not have given us the, <laughs> the same experience. <laughs> But yeah, it's been really awesome so far. It's funny you bring that up. I, I wonder a little bit um, when the dust has settled. I mean, I think there's this instinct to like, everything will just be the same after. And I think mostly it will be like, I don't, I don't have much sympathy for the whole, you know, the, the, the CEO of Uber Eats thinks that we're going to keep ordering food online instead of going to restaurants and like, okay, buddy, you keep believing that. But, um, <laughs> but, but there's, there's gotta be some interesting things. So I spoke to a colleague of ours, Tara, in mathematics a couple weeks ago at a Boy Scouts meet because um, our sons are both Cub Scouts. And uh, he kind of, he had always thought about flipping the classroom and flipping the classroom is something, I think we do a lot in history anyway, but from a mathematics perspective, what that means is uh, people listening is that they would effectively kind of do the work ahead of time instead of doing it, you know, with the professor or the professor demonstrating it, they would just do it. And then in the room, they would discuss like what went wrong or, or how to tackle it or how they chose to solve it and everything else. And it was something he'd always really kind of, really kind of wanted to do and for a very wide variety of reasons kind of hadn't just hadn't implemented and uh, at least this this past autumn in block one he just felt it was the only way he could teach the class effectively was to to flip it basically to do it that way um, so he did and and he's like that's it he feels great he kind of I mean it within context of it being a pandemic he's like okay this is great I think I can do this in the future now and that was just kind of interesting to me. And it's like, there's all these little kind of varieties. So you're talking about seminar just now. And it's like, I mean, that's an interesting thing for the historians to think about. I think some of us will have the 25 page paper pulled out of our cold dead hands. Um, <laughs> but, some, but some of us won't, you know, some of us won't. Um, and even, you know, so I, 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 that's just kind of an intriguing thing. And you kind of get something good out of it. Um, 
I don't know, maybe Tara will be a moving speaker box forever. Like that, that'd be fun though. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think there will be some things that change. I don't think I'll be a moving speaker box forever, but <laughs> I certainly have learned a lot. I've learned a lot about the effectiveness of the three minute video for students. Um, I, for a long time, I've tried to figure out like, not how can I get, I don't want to totally flip the classroom and take all the content onto Moodle or something, but for, I've often thought like, it would be great if my students could walk in with like just enough knowledge about the subject that I don't have to kind of start there, right? I could kind of dive right into the cool stuff. Um, and one of the things I did in the first block is a lot of these like three minute videos, like, okay, today we're going to talk about the Salem witch trials. Here's like three minutes worth of stuff for you to know before you walk in. And then we'll just get to the good stuff. Um, and I can't see myself going back from that now. Like um, my students are gonna be stuck watching nerdy videos of three minute videos of me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so interesting. And this is kind of a wider thing about, I think we're seeing evidence in the last year of why online learning is not a magic bullet that can replace what we're doing of course I would think that I do it for a living but like I think teaching you know our world history class and one of the classic problems world history class that students have very understandably so is and this is often very good students is they really worry because like I teach history 110 which is kind of dawn of time until 1850 basically um maybe I start 1350 give people a bit of a break so there's lots and lots of stuff being covered and so there'd be students who just they really want to do a good job and so they'll be like Professor Harney, like, what, what do I do? Because you kind of flew through a century and a half by the halfway mark today. I'm a little bit concerned. And I try and kind of explain, well, pay attention to how I'm talking about it and like what I'm choosing to highlight. That's kind of the key. And then like when you go to the readings yourself, hopefully I'm modeling. This is, this is how we kind of pull things out that we think are important and you tie it to a thesis and everything else. And I'm going to have to learn how to simulate that or reproduce it in the spring for the people who are unable to attend in person for whatever reason. I mean, hopefully things will be improved in some way, but we just don't know. Um, but yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I'm like Tara, I have, my jokes aren't funny, but when, when the students are in the room with me, they feel the pressure to laugh just to be polite. <laughs> um, but all goofy stuff like that, like a professor who makes silly jokes, like I, my memories from college, I remember the woman I sat beside in almost every history class I took, um, Aoife, we were friends all through college. I remember that Jeff Roberts, who was my favorite historian, always looked um, like he had a headache in the morning. Um, um, I remember the rooms I sat in. I'd have to go and pick up a book to remind myself what happened in Russia in 1933, even though when I was 20, that was my favorite class, you know. Um, and so it's just, these are the things you actually remember. And, and Center is very good, I think, at creating those kind of memories because of the style of college we are. It's why I've been won over by this style of college. So <laughs> I just think it's particularly heartbreaking for us. Even what we're doing now, we're on these three Zoom windows and we're doing the responsible thing. And I don't want to make out like I'm against doing responsible things, but it doesn't mean I have to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny that you mentioned the classroom setting and what you remember about your undergraduate experience, because like I associate, for example, like Dr. Harney, I had a class with you about um, Western conceptions of um, Asia, and I associate it with that classroom in the hallway on the third floor of crowns on the left. Yes. <laughs> and I can see where I sat in the classroom. And so <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Like, that is sort of the thing that does stick with you. Of course, I do remember everything you talked of, of course, too, but... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the stuff. It's just funny. Like that. It that really is the stuff you'll you know you'll remember. And it doesn't mean the content wasn't important. Obviously, it was because it's in there somewhere when you need it, kind of thing. 
Right. <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna sit back with a cup of tea and reminisce over that awesome lecture Harney gave on how European kings are obsessed with like pagodas. You know, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> Um, we should post the video because I'm enjoying your reactions, Tara. Go ahead. Um, so we are actually almost out of time, uh, for, but I'm taking a second to say, I really missed doing this. <laughs> I missed this. Um, we shouldn't let it be six months, eight months, whatever it's been again. Um, so that, but before we wrap up, Inji, what can we look forward to seeing from you on um, the Center Trail blog? Yeah, so um, I for we, I, last week I started sort of the series of going through um, what I'm learning through my history seminar course. And so I started off with the primary sources and the silences. And then this week I'm going to be writing a post about um, sort of our responsibility of as historians of how we make all these decisions that really dictate what narrative we're telling about someone else. And so I'm um, sort of the discussion of recognizing our position as an outsider and recognizes that choices we make really influences how someone's story is told. Um, so that's an assignment I worked on last week. And then um, I'll also be writing about oral history and what I've learned about doing an oral history interview and sort of the difference between um, what actually happened and how people remember things like we just talked about how we remember you remember your undergraduate years and so uh, yeah and then I think it's sort of going to round out with um, a, our a capstone paper which is talking about how we make history relevant so that's sort of what you should be looking forward to um, and yeah I'll just continue to sort of take you along my journey of history seminar. Awesome. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. All right. My lunch is waiting for me. So we're going to wrap this up. Now. Um, but this was great. Angie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and we're looking forward to maybe getting back to doing this on a more regular basis soon. So thank you all for Thanks listening. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, Angie. Thanks, mom, for listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you all soon.